Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out if it's worse this year but all the people who were going on tour all the concerts just released and it's almost kind of like daunting to look at because you're like do i have to get tickets now because you're talking about like 500 bucks worth of tickets or you're like i only want to get this one ticket or i only want to get this these two tickets do either one of y'all like even pay attention to that i mean i, I, I bought one set and then I, I put a, a reminder in my phone for like four other ones. And it just remind me a week before and I'll see how much the tickets are. I try to keep up with it. You alerted me the other day about uh, my morning jacket at the cemetery, which sounds nice. God, I, I have seen them so many times, though. I know I'd love it, though. I should probably go to that. But Well, I'm definitely going to that. I mean, I'll see any band that I like at the cemetery. It's, it's just yeah. so much. It's so much fun. God. I mean, just being able to bring your... Own food and booze and just sit on a blanket. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, so comfortable it's amazing. There. Makes you feel so alive being close to all those dead people. <laughs> exactly. Just makes you be like, look, look, look what I'm doing. Y'all can't do this. Yeah. Eat it, Joey Ramone. <laughs> Here's part of a sandwich I didn't finish. <laughs> or, but then Spoon's playing, but they're, I'm, I'm out of town when they're in town. They also have a new album out that's actually really good. Not actually. It's good again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't really disappoint, you know. I mean, they're they're pretty solid with Have you heard it? I've listened to about 4 or 5 songs and you know, I like all of them. The hardest cuts so. pretty rocking. Yeah, I mean, they they can usually rock out. I I may go see Lamontane. I haven't seen him in a mm. long time. And Lamontane, I actually Lamontane, are, are we on a last name basis with Ray at this point? Lamont. <laughs> Do I have to say Ray? Could, could I should I just say uh Ray Montaigne? You could just say Ray Lamontane. You don't. You don't. I don't have time for the extra syllable. Did you just say Montaigne? <laughs> Montaigne. Pod gave efficiency to you. I might go see Montaigne. Um, pinkies the, out, on the Pinkies outdoor. The seventeenth century. Um, <laughs> there aren't really that many bands that I really care about seeing. Truthfully, there's a few, but not many. That's really worth the hassle. Yeah. It, I'll pay attention to certain venues. Like, if a band's playing at the Greek, I'm probably not going to go. I don't really like the sound there. This band, Susto's, playing at the Troubadour next month. I'll probably go see them. Like, I'm going to go to the McCabe's. I'm going to see this guy, Jake Xerxes Fussel, at the McCabe's. At I don't McCabe's middle name Xerxes? Xerxes, Who's yeah. the fuck names from, their fucking kid I don't know. He's from the Persian south. Persian emperor. <laughs> Xerxes. He, he's good. I'm, I'm going to go see him at McCabe's, which I've never been to. Hmm. And then, you've, been, you've been there, but you've been there, right? Just not. I've never seen a show there. He I've bought been his there. guitar there. Yeah, yeah I bought I bought a guitar there and a, a shitty pickup one time. And but they're good. They're good people. <laughs> In spite of the quality of the pickup. Yeah, and then War on Drugs next next Saturday at nice, the uh, Fonda, nice. which is going to be great. Speaking of seeing things, have you guys seen the new uh, Elvis movie trailer? Uh-uh. No. Boz Lerman. I guess he does a lot of like musical kind of stuff. Yeah. But it looks good. Uh, Tom Hanks T- is in it. T- he plays, um, I don't know, I've never heard of this. Colonel fat... Parker. Oh, I've never heard of him. That's, yeah, he's that? a manager. That's, that's Elvis' manager. And was he German? He was Swiss or something. Okay, okay. 
he was from Europe, but he didn't have his passport. That's why he never ever played out of the states. Yeah, because he, could, cause he just couldn't go with him. He was afraid wild. he couldn't get back into the country. Elvis never played a concert out of the United States. That's nuts. isn't that fucking insane? Yeah, you guys have you always loved Elvis, Josh? I assume you have. I mean, my mom was in the Elvis fan club, and like her mother took her to Ooh, see yeah. him in Memphis, <laughs> and when she was like seven. So yeah, I've always, I've always loved. And he's a Mississippi kid, so. Yeah, I've always you? loved Elvis. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked, I've always liked the, you know, I mean, his songs and big stuff, and I've always been really into like Scotty Moore, his guitar player. So that that really pulled me into it. For the Sun Records guys, you know, I probably, honestly, I'm oh, no one's better than Elvis, but I may prefer Jerry Lee uh, mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. just terms of his songs and stuff. But I mean, Elvis is, yeah. I had to circle back. I think I liked him when I was a kid. It was just like, yeah, rock and roll. You know, I was kind of into that and just the 50s kind of rock and roll music when you first even know what the hell rock and roll is. Right. Um, But then I think it took me 10, 15 years at least to circle back around after I dug through the Grateful Dead, Pink Floyd, the Allman Brothers. And then um, I just remember hanging this friend I had. He used to play um, harmonica in all our bands back in uh, college and high school. But he was a huge Elvis fan. And... I don't know. He just shed a light on how cool he was. Kind of when I was in college, just like, oh yeah, fucking Elvis is. There's a reason he's the king. You know what I, I mean? I think the thing with somebody like Elvis is the only problem is like you never get a chance to decide if you like it or not, right? You're like, this is fucking Elvis. He's like iconic from before you were yeah, born. Yeah, a lot of people decide to not like it. I not think. really. <laughs> I mean, you can't really not. It's like I don't like the Beatles. It's like, well, okay, you don't like them, but, but they're still the most important. Yeah, but band. there's a difference between like putting it on and appreciating it, and and then yeah, you just can't really like, oh, shit yeah, on. El- you can't really shit on Elvis, like. Yeah, but I know a lot of people who hit next, like <laughs> next. Okay. Yeah, I don't you, can sh- people. you can shit on like <laughs> teddy bear and stuff like that. I mean, they, El- Elvis is, you know, the rock and song, the early rock and songs. I mean, I think. Probably now at this point in my life, I I just really appreciate. I've, I've just always loved his voice. I mean, I, he motherfucker could sing, you know. So his voice out of control. It's out of yeah. Control. So like, even when you hear him do other songs, you're just like, all right, like whatever you, you know, there may be some exaggeration there, or whatever, but it, it sounds fantastic. There's all the stuff about you know he didn't treat the black artists like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and stuff like that, which is valid, but. That's, the only thing know. he didn't do is he didn't stand up for he should have stood up for black folks because he he got so much from the culture. Now I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he stole anything, but he should have. It's a shame he didn't. At the same time, to be Absolutely. full disclosure, he's a fucking nineteen year old truck driver who just sang, and then suddenly he's a fucking icon. Like yeah, it's uh, easy to um, like you know say he should have now. But he, and here's I mean to, to show you what kind of a simple kind of guy he was. I saw something recently where um I don't know who it was, but they were talking about hanging out with. Elvis and Dennis Hopper and somewhere and like Elvis was talking about like westerns and he was like he was like yeah they're using real bullets and Dennis Hopper's like nah dude they're not fucking they're not real bullets and Elvis is like bullshit I can see the dust fly up in the back and it's like yeah man but like that's fucking those are it's not and so it shows you what a simple kind of I mean he was just a guy he's like the dirt diggler of singers I don't know just a guy with a fucking huge cock for a voice you know, and it's kind of like, I'm not really trying to get political with my huge dick. I'm just here <laughs> flapping around. I mean, it is, it is what it well, is. Well, you know, I mean, you know, he hung out on the streets of Memphis, and he did. <laughs> he hung he did, out? Yeah. <laughs> Pun always intended. Um, but, you know, I mean, he learned a lot from those guys, like those black artists on, on Beale Street and shit. You know, I mean, right, he, right. I, I think one, you know, I mean, similar to Hank Williams. I mean, a lot, you hear about all these country guys, and, and you know, they just learn from some... 
you yeah. know. Uh, so it is a shame that he didn't kind of st- was like. Yeah. It, that, Absolutely. You know. I need to uh, finish. What is that HBO? The Dreamer or something? The two part oh, doc. It's long. I, I but watched. It's good. I've watched the first one. I think I was drinking like. Just watching it, being like, "Oh, this is great! I can't wait to finish this," and then just pass yeah. out. And then you woke Never. woke up in the morning, and you were like, "Oh, how, how, how far did I get into that Elvis thing?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of another watch, have you guys watched Pam and Tommy? Mm-mm. No, unfortunately, no. On, on Hulu. Okay, well, that's it. I'm going <laughs> to that conversation I'm real fast. I'm good, on, I'm good on the dirt. The dirt. That was fine for me. Like that's all. Like. There was a scene in the recent one where uh, he shows up to the band and they're in Studio B and he's like, "What? Somebody's booked this." Stu-. He's like, "We're Studio A," and they go in and it's he's like, "Who the fuck are you guys?" And they're like, uh, Third Eye Blind." <laughs> <laughs> no respect. Are there dragon eggs? Maybe. <laughs> Is there dragon eggs? There's, I'll watch season. There's two. there's there's prosthetic dragon eggs. those are his actual testicles (laughs) there is a scene where he talks to his dick but they i guess they took that from his autobiography does his dick talk back to him yes (laughs) it responds yeah he's like he's like what are you doing man and he's like i'm in love he's like no you're not (laughs) the thing i love about about motley crew is like they don't take themselves fucking seriously and like that's why they're fucking great like because it's like who cares? They're just knuckleheads who want to rock out, and you know. Then they did their thing, and like God bless them for it. You know, like they're not. I love the fact that they're not trying to get out of their depth about fucking vaccines or any of that shit, right? Like, <laughs> and on that note, you're listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and this week we are talking about Beck, particularly the Golden Age from his 2002 album Sea Change. Written by Beck Hansen and produced by Nigel Goodrich and released on Geffen. Put your hands on the wheel at the golden age begin. I've always loved this song. I find it very soothing. It's like a sweet kind of nihilistic lullaby in a way. It just puts you in a certain place. You know, it's a very vibe-oriented song. Although it being kind of bleak, it definitely inspires me. I, I get a good vibe from the song. It, like, it doesn't make me sad in any way. And just anytime it's on, I definitely, I'm happy it's on. I, I kind of always, like, if I hear this, I'll stop and, like, certainly reflect and en- just enjoy the moment of listening to this song. And I've always been a huge Beck fan. There's so many Beck songs. Um, and I think I picked this one because this really cemented him as, like, a uh, fantastic artist, in my opinion. Just all all the stuff he had done through the 90s, from just kind of Mellow Gold to Odelay and Midnight Vultures, stuff that's all over the place. But then when this came out, it was yet another, you know, sea change, I guess. Hearing him strip down and hearing him sing in this way and create this whole album that starts with this tune that almost kicks off this experience. The biggest thing is when it came out, I was moving west you know, and I just, I had this CD and it's just like, I feel like my golden age began 20 years ago when I left for California. When you, when you, when you put your hands on the wheel, <laughs> your, your, your golden age began. That, that's funny. Also, not to shortchange mutations in there. Uh, oh, never. From, never. From his previous, previous albums. I agree. I mean, I, I you know, first heard the song in college and it, it's all about the vibe. Beginning of my sophomore year, this song came out. 
And, you know, I'd kind of settled down being in the city at that point from being in the country. And there were some, like, relationship stuff going on. But I, like you said, Neil, I, it's, it's, it's odd looking back on this and, and kind of looking into it now and seeing that it's he's probably depressed in this song to some extent. But I, I, don't, I don't know if this still applies. But when I heard this song back then, it just made me feel good about what was coming and what was happening in life. Yeah, it was a very profound song for me, and I, I don't know if I could necessarily re- separate it from the album so much because it is kind of you kind of drift away into this album, which is a, a straight up vibe, mm-hmm. and this is just a, a a really nice way to start, a really really great way to start that out off, and um, you know I, I I really enjoy hearing this song even now. I mean, this is a straight up hop in the car and drive and pop this CD in and just kind of not think for a while Mm -hmm. and just drive around. Mm -hmm. It's just so, it's so vibe heavy, right? It's almost like a feeling. It's like the whole song just feels like, I don't know, it's what I imagine heroin feels like or something, (laughs) which is like slow and beautiful. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. It's very ethereal. It kind of has like this underpinnings of like some kind of existentialism like a new newer version of classic country almost kind of there's a little alien vibe in there as Beck always puts you know some some quirk in things but some twang too but yeah it's a very co- yeah exactly it's like California twang <laughs> yeah. um, it's almost you know I don't want to say surrealist but it's it's like a, a bunch of different ideas and concepts and like almost like textures pulled together which is very cool you know it's almost like a collage it feels like but of the like Americana school it's very mm-hmm. cool well it's you're talking about just the the different aspects of of the music and stuff that's going into it when you say collage yeah because i mean the song itself is if you just play on the guitar it's just really straight ahead. yeah i mean it's it's four chords it's right but the production is value is really really makes i think lends a lot to what yeah. it is and absolutely josh i think the reason we get some positive vibes from it is just because the first verse is so positive. It's like before you dip into this depression, it's like, yeah, put your hands on the wheel, golden age, moonlight on your skin. This is going to be great. And then he's like, these days I barely get by. I don't even fucking try. <laughs> and, and as a college student, you're like, yeah, I'm barely getting by these days because I'm not trying. I'm trying to get high. So you, <laughs> at that time in life, you could definitely interpret it like that. I like how you can kind of interpret this thing in multiple different ways when it comes to feeling. You know, it is ethereal and very dreamlike because of some of the production aspects, but feels like there's possibility at the beginning. It's contemplative. There's uncertainty, but there's also excitement. I I, I get all of that stuff when I hear this. Mm-hmm. Uncertainty is think, a great, great But you can also it. be, you know, I mean, it can also just be a straight-up sadness to drift away from everything. Yeah, and I think even better than uncertainty is just the unknown. I think this is like has a – it gives you a good feeling. But, like, life sucks right now, but I'm on the road to something better, you know, at least in the beginning. <laughs> Things are going to change. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Quote somebody I can't remember who said that Quote somebody Well I mean He was coming off Of the end of a long relationship And I guess Had these songs For a few years And he was working With Nigel Goodrich Who is a A, a producer Who had worked on 
a lot of his biggest stuff up to that time. And I, you can kind of tell, like, he was letting him kind of steer the ship for whatever, these vulnerable songs that are not really what you think of when you think of Beck's music up to that point, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. It's usually pretty introspective. Even if it's, like, subtle and quirky and... It's always soulful, even if it's very quirky, yeah. soulful, but it's still... Yeah, you know. it's funny. Yeah, but I think his catalog before this... I mean, Mutations is, is, is similar in terms yeah. of, like, somewhat acoustic ballad music, but... Not quite even as... Even that, it sounds different, and there's not as much vulnerability or somberness to the makeup of that album. I, 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 don't, I don't feel like... Yeah, and I read something where Beck was talking about this, and they're like, people or the reviews were like, "Oh, it's it's good to hear the real Beck," you know, stripped down. He's like, "What do you mean the real Beck? Like they're all the real me's." And he posed a good question: Is the sad, the saddest version of you, the real you, or the happiest? You know what I mean? Sure. Like everybody, like every sad. everybody's sad and everybody's happy at, at different points of their life. Yeah, um, they're all the real Beck Hansen. I don't think I knew what his last <laughs> the name real was. Real Beck Hansen, please stand up. <laughs> oh, Johnny's full of them. The sun don't shine even when it's dead. So let's just go to the lyric, and I'll start this off. That I think, Jonathan, you said this. You know, it's nothing to write home about. It's not like the most profound lyric you're ever going to hear, but it does create a really nice bed landscape atmosphere whatever you want to call it and i and it it almost sounds like the production was able to draw from the lyric Mm -hmm. as is Mm -hmm. uh to create that that world and and, you know there's some good little lines in there as well treacherous road with the desolated view I, i always thought he said the sun don't shine even when it's dead but it obviously makes more sense even when it's day (laughs) even when it's it works both ways, though. The song's a whole package, yeah. you know what I mean? Nothing stands out, but together, it's almost like Voltron. Together, it's a fucking sick song, you know? <laughs> um, and I think it's all... <laughs> it's all the beginning, man. I don't. I think without Put Your Hands on the Wheel, Let the Golden Age Begin, it's not the same song whatsoever because that's the title, and that kicks you into this song and the album. sets the tone. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, very, it's a very memorable first line, to a song, to a song, and to an album in general. And I think you thought he said even when it's dead, because part of this song is him like almost slurring some of the words through it. You know that adds to like the the misery. Well, the know? tempo yeah. is, is impressively slow. Yeah, it's very it, it hard really to is. play that slow and stay there. Like it takes a very mm-hmm. concentrated effort to do that. And so I think that's well, probably the most the most singularly dramatic element of the, the the whole song to me is mm-hmm. the thing that really stands out the most on its own is the tempo which is really so and i think that's very interesting i think because i i really like slowing stuff down and 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 making it so and it's cool to hear someone take it like the song feels ambient mm-hmm. like you know you mm-hmm. it's like you're just getting yeah. like it's very nebulous because it's so slow it's almost like it's not even cohesive yeah and and which is, which is odd also because you you feel like this is a ballad where he does want you to hear every word and every word is sung clearly, whatever with the day dead thing, but to be also ambient and also to want you to listen to every word is, is not something a lot of songs do at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's and so slow for me. I almost had a hard time picking the words out because it's actually so slow that it just kind of morphs yeah. into vibe. I mean, it really does sound like a lullaby. It's so slow. Those bells come in at the beginning, and it's just like, <laughs> like it really almost is putting you to sleep or hypnotizing you in a way. We should point out that those are not bells. It is a glockenspiel. Nice. That's a Neil. good word. Yeah, sweet. Good to know. <laughs> it is a percussion instrument, and it's a glockenspiel. It's like your mouth gets well, good in Germany for just a, like one word. Glockenspiel. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> And the whole ambience of it is the central vibe to this, I think, in, in, in the end, once you get to the end of the song, with the lyric and his vocal, which is also very laid back. Yeah, he's like somber. He's droning. Taking its time. No doubt. It's a straight up drone. Mm-hmm. But he gets melodic with it, and it, 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 it sounds, you know, I mean, it's, it's very beautiful. You could almost just hold an E note through this whole song. It just, like, drones the whole, <laughs> like, even though he's changing chords, it's always... <laughs> but his voice with the words, and then with that, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a synth. They're doing kind of that radio head sound. Is, is, is what I think of it as because it's in mm-hmm. that that one. So the whole vibe of the song is drifting away, and then especially if you listen to the, they have that thing that kind of takes over everything by the end of the song, and then you drop into Paper Tiger, and it's like okay, now we've set you up. Now you're kind of just off on the road driving around, and here's the rest of the. Yeah, and I love the way he delivers it. I mean, he's, like we said, he's droning and like his voice is cracking from time to time. You can just tell, you can you can really, he gets across this feeling in every possible way from the music to the delivery, the words, the ambiance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> ambiance. Now we go to Friends. Originally, the name of the song was uh, These Days, was going to be These Days or Barely Get By. And then there's a George Jones song from the 70s called These Days, I Barely Get By. (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't call this song. Beck's like, I got this song called He Stopped Loving Her Today, It's Fantastic. It's like, dude, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Stay away from the George Jones. (laughs) Got this, it's called Honky Tonk Blues. Um, How I like it. I think it's really original. Uh, um, exactly. One thing, just with the composition that I thought was pretty effective, I love how at the end of the courses, where these days I don't even try, I love how the melody comes in right on try. I don't even... It's kind of oh, yeah. nice. Musically, this song is basically Beck playing acoustic guitar and singing Smokey Hormel playing electric guitar. He was in the Blasters done a lot of other stuff with Beck. He played, he was the session guy on Hurt, uh, Johnny Cash's version, uh, some of Nora Jones stuff. Bass, you got Justin Meldahl Johnson, who, a lot of Beck, Nine Inch Nails, M83, Air, St. Vincent. Joey Waranker on drums, uh, session guy for Beck and R.E.M., um, and in a band called Adams for Peace. And then you have a synth whirl, it's Sir Roger Joseph Manning Jr., who is in a couple bands that we never heard of like Jellyfish and Moog Cookbook and Imperial Drag. So, I mean, that it's a pretty st- typical, simple makeup. Uh, it, I mean, it's really all about the guitar, his voice, and 
the synth sounds in the glockenspiel <laughs> right mm-hmm. yeah i got um, my glock in spiel yeah i mean everything they 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 I'm really they really polished up everything in a good way i mean i love how there's like a windy delay on his vocals like it sounds like he's yelling this into a canyon or something yeah and they even do a nice job with the you know i mean he's basically harmonizing with himself and you go into that second verse and it's 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 it sounds good i i don't always like it when when people do that when they're doing their own voice uh how the hell do they do that i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you have to use it sparingly. You can't go overboard. But if it's if it if it, you treat it more like an instrument, where it's not like you're not trying to be like, oh, this is my brother. <laughs> yeah, and you know it does the thing that a lot of songs do, which is when it hits that little chorus part or hook or whatever, it goes to the. I guess that would be the sixth or the flat seventh. It depends. There's two ways to look at that. You can look at it. The bluesy thing. It, it's a note in the minor pentatonic scale, so it's almost just a whole step below the one. But in in yeah. the in the super nerd school, you would call it the four of the four. So if you're in A, and the four of that is D, and the four of that is G. To that point, that's what it is because it sets up that A, like oh, mm-hmm. like it, it basically, uh, yeah, it, the D sets. I up. don't even try. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that that's true. That it, it's really nice. I mean, that's a great tool to use in your songwriting arsenal. <laughs> 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 it is all one kind. There's nothing really sticks out. But do you guys have any favorite parts of the song? I mean, right when it goes to that co- chorus, I think, or right that D. Yeah, that it sets up the A. I, the four, really, of the four. Yeah, I really, I really dig that change. The change is great. I really like from the start, right when the guitar comes in, to the Glockenspiel, <laughs> to, to the first line, those first couple lines. Yeah, it puts me in such a mood such a like calm mood the beginning of the song is very angie sticky fingers that era stones like when they're mm-hmm. doing acoustic stuff at that time but it also has this like jj kale feel and like mm-hmm. there's some country elements in there so i i just i love everything about that beginning i think part. you're thinking of moonlight mile well the vibe is moonlight mile the chords are angie <laughs> Ish. Yeah, there you go. Moonlight Angie. There you go. Um, there you go. You were talking about harmonizing with himself. My favorite parts are the the desolated view and here and far and few, just where it kind of yeah, kind of desolated view. Yeah, yeah. When he goes in with himself, yeah, he's got a. I mean, he's a, he's a great composer. What do you yeah. think about his voice, Josh? I, I like it. I mean, I don't think it's exceptional. It's not like gonna get in on anybody's top ten list, but it's it's a it's effective for the music yeah, that it works he, perfectly for what he does. writes. Did and, um did either of you guys watch that live video I sent you of him shit, playing it? I yeah, did. I did. I fucking intended to, but I didn't. It's pretty good. I mean, him playing it in a church just with no band on acoustic guitar, being able to hold that sound because it sounds just like the album, but he's playing it. And the best the song really lends itself to just being played on acoustic as well, which is great. The best part about it though is when I was listening to it, like my brain fills in all the boom. Your brain almost makes like auditory hallucinations. Like you're hearing uh-huh. the rest of the song. When your brain goes into the golden age, mm-hmm. it becomes its own golden age. Even towards the end, speaking of his voice, like just the when he's hitting those tries, kind of voice cracking with the acoustics of a church, it's pretty uh it's pretty heavy shit. <laughs> Absolutely. This album itself was uh, voted by Rolling Stone as the 17th best album of the 2000s and the 436th best album of all time. Wow. Huh. 
and this is and I would say this is one of my favorite like what first was songs one through four thirty five. Well, let me think. Uh, I'm gonna get what's going on was number one. Um, <laughs> and speaking of what's going on, I think you know we've been vibing this whole time. Oh, Why don't we just get there already um, and cue the music in three, a two, and one. <laughs> that was a bit of a, a stunted uh, takeoff there. Uh, Neil, it's your song. When do you want to hear it? Well, I'll tell you when I want to hear it. Um, when I'm moving to California, I'm driving down the freeway, and I tell my then-girlfriend on a walkie-talkie, because we didn't have cell phones at, the, at that time. <laughs> so we're going on a road trip with walkie-talkies. And I tell her... Bravo. I tell her I'm taking this next exit next exit to go to Walmart to buy this album for my drive. So that's when I want to hear it. 20 years ago, walking were, into a Walmart. Y'all were in two separate cars? Yeah, we're in separate cars driving all of our stuff out to California. I was so happy when I bought it from Walmart. I was like, fuck yeah, fucking let's go. And I was on a road trip moving west It was and putting this in. I was like, Was she pissed about stopping? No, no, she liked bed. <laughs> she was into bed. Oh, but we, we, she was in a yeah, but she, car, she couldn't listen to it. Why? She was in a separate car, though, right? Well, no, I'm saying she understood. She understood why uh, I wanted to stop cool. for the that's album. Cool. Jonathan, when when do you want to hear it? I think this is a good song for driving up the PCH at the at midnight. Just Surfing. moon on the water. It's California. Moonlight on your skin. Ah. Yeah, it's oh. it's a uh, a very yeah romantic drive by myself or with my lady. I like it. Or um, just back. Because driving is an easy answer, but specifically the PCH, it's a nice touch. <laughs> At night. Yeah, I... At it, night. Well, it's, it's funny because I went PCH during the day or at sunset. Oh, was it a day where the sun is shining or not? Uh, yes, sun's shining. <laughs> well, sometimes the sun doesn't shine. Even, even when it's All day. I care about is that, but that first part... I want the sun to be whatever the, the clouds can calm after traffic? the first part. I feel like sitting in traffic on the PCH. No, no, no. I want to be yeah. moving. I want there to be slow windows like down. I want windows down, and, where, and where? maybe top on the PCH. Um, I, yeah, we're probably past uh, Pepperdine, and we're going up and down those two hills. You've been drinking. Mm-hmm. Watch out around Moon Shadows areas. People get pulled over around there. <laughs> Sometimes celebrities. Um, Sometimes racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> racists get pulled over anywhere speaking of uh racists why don't we uh and and duis why don't we uh slide under the influence for a little bit talk about influence of this song influenced by influenced moving forward and other songs that sound like it neil and keep us going it's your it's your song what do you what well, do you got we mentioned moonlight mile um that was on my list i think it it you mentioned it before. It is very Radiohead in a way. I feel like it's a, a lot like House of Cards and some of their kind of just slower kind of introspective songs. Um, and beyond that, uh, I guess it doesn't directly remind me of Dylan, but in a way it's kind of like a knocking on heaven's door. Very short lyrics, very kind of mysterious in a way. And then the last one would be, uh, it's very Nick Drake, Pink Moon kind of stuff. Yeah. Nice. You know, another song, and you know, I already said J.J. Kale, but another song I would say, just similar with the drone, would be like Heaven by the Talking yep, Heads. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a little, little touch of that, and then I would say just moving forward. You know, I mean, if you like this sound, uh, 
you know, like Grizz, Grizzly Bear has a couple ballads that are very uh, of this flavor. Sharon Van Etten, uh, Marlon Williams, um, Shaky Graves, it's just some newer music that kind of I would I would imagine it was influenced by Beck and and this song in particular and this album in particular. Yeah, it kind of has that. Was it I'm so tired? Is that Harrison? The White yeah. Album. It's ca- oh, no, no, Lennon? no. That's Lennon. Yeah, Lennon. Yeah. There's another. Yeah. It has that vibe. It has a little uh, bit of no. Long, long, long. Long, long, long. Well, it's a little bit of both of those. Yeah. Both yeah, of those. Long, long, long is good for sure. And then also, but then um, you know, it reminds me a bit of a, a Moonlight uh, Drive, the Doors song. It reminds me a bit of a, a few Dylan songs. Um, I think the Nick Drake was definitely a great comp. Little Pink Floyd in there. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ryan, coming after that, like uh, a little, it reminds me a little bit of Ryan Adams. Yeah, yeah, I can see like, that. There's, there's some. I think there's some parallels in there. Like I said, you said something about the uh, the, the Talking Heads that Heaven it was definitely a good cover. I mean, a good comp rather. So I think, for the most part, I think that covers most of it. Well, if that covers most of it, <laughs> I think I'm just trying to think. I feel, I feel like there's Johnny's not checklist thinking. is done. I just think I'm not thinking. It's, it's almost because it's because it's ethereal and it's dreamy. Yeah, there's a there's there's a lot you could compare. To I just it. see that, like that's one of the beauties of it. I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's all I got at the moment. Are you saying it's uh, dreamscape? What is it? Dreamscape. I am not saying it's a dreamscape. Uh, nor is it a nightmare you don't want to escape from. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, both speaking of, those of things. Speaking of dreams and nightmares, I think it's time we slip under the covers and talk about the covers of this song jonathan how many did you listen to mm. i feel like i listened to somebody i don't remember any so i don't have to say none what? i feel like i listened so i feel like i feel like i did but there's no, there's no neil evidence. what you got um I know well, you got there's something. not much there's not much the flaming lips did it um because they were his backing band for this tour which was super cool i was I saw Beck, uh, there's a video of him playing at Austin City Limits with the Flaming Lips backing him up. That's just, uh, what a great tour. Um, but they just basically just do, do. I mean, it doesn't even sound much different. It sounds just like, yeah. but to that extent, it definitely sounds like a Flaming Lips song, you know, in some ways. That's true, but it's a live version, and I, I mean, I would never listen to it again. I would never, like, seek it out, because it's kind of a shitty bootleg. Other than that, I just, uh, there's there's not much. So I, I found on YouTube a guy playing the whole thing on piano, just instrumental, which you really get to kind of hear the nuance of the melody, which is really cool. And then I clicked on a couple others that were not this song, but they're named The Golden Age, and there's some interesting <laughs> lessons there. Um, what, yeah, there's a lot of those. What I'd point out is there's this weird band called Hiroshima. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I skipped over that one. And then uh, this Susan Sound 4. Like, it was a very Enya-like thing, and I, I was into it. <laughs> nice. Um, there was one other one that I listened to. K.T. Tunstall did one. It's it's pretty raw and like almost like acoustic garage a little bit, and it, it, I would say it's worth a listen. If that K.T. Tunstall? Acoustic... I recognize that name. Tunstall. It's a good name. <laughs> uh, did I say KT Tunstall no, or Tunstall? You said Tunstall. Oh, it's 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 Tunstall. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. It's not it's not Tunstall. No, no one thought uh, it was that. <laughs> <it. laughs> 
But speaking of Constell, Neil, how does the shoe fit for back the golden age? Shoe fits great. And uh, to be even more specific about my cross-country trip and uh, shopping at Walmart, I was wearing um, gray and black DC skate shoes. So that's what it fits like. The shoes I was wearing when I bought the album on Compact Excellent. Disc. Jonathan, what, what, what you got? I, I'm going I'm to say that it fits like... No shoe, but like your feet sticking out of the window as you go down the highway. Oh, I like that. Uh-huh. I like that. I'm going to say at this point in life, it fits like a slip-on that's the sole is starting to wear out. It's, but I'm going to wear it until it's like my skin is touching asphalt. It's nice and slick. You know? <laughs> asphalt. <laughs> asphalt, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to wear it. The sole is rotting. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear it because it makes me feel good, even though the soul is rotting. Rotten soul. Get it? Yeah, I do get it. <laughs> you you like things soul. that feel good but rot your soul? I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> Say no to drugs, kids. Oh, and, and real quick, uh, Neil and I have a Beck story, actually. I don't know if you remember this, Neil, but we went to see, I think it was Band of Brothers. Not Band of Brothers, <laughs> but the, the, Mar- the Marky Mark movie where they're like, the last yeah, brother or oh, yeah. the last four brothers. soldier. Four brothers. No, yeah. that's with like Band Mark brothers Wahlberg. Is, and like, was Donnie Wahlberg. Yes, and that was a HBO, HBO miniseries. But it was like it was like Mark was Wahlberg like two, and two white dudes the, and two the, black the, dudes were brothers. No, no, no. It's like Mark Wahlberg, Ben Foster, uh the guy from Friday Night Lights, and Emil Hirsch are like these four army guys and only last survivor. It's called Last Survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Only one, only one of them survived. And we went to see it at the Arclight, and we're, like, standing in line. There's, like, four people in there in line, and one of them, and I'm like, yo, dude, I think that's Beck. And just standing right next to us, and he was like, yeah. He's like, ah, good sighting. <laughs> you know, Sweet. Just, yeah, I thought I thought you were going to misremember the story. Didn't you hang out backstage with Beck one time, drunk? Oh, my God, Cause, don't remind Because I was going to um, say, I wasn't there, but you called me, like, dude. <laughs> no, I went to a I went to a Wilco show with this girl years ago, and at the Wiltern. And after the show, I was I bummed a cigarette from somebody, and they were like, "Yo, do you guys want our backstage passes? We got to go home." And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" So I went. I was tanked. Oh God. It was like the whole cast of Mad Men. Mad Men was there for some point for some reason, and of course, one of those guys, one of the Wilco guys from Mississippi, and I was just like trying to find him and be like, "Yo, man, I'm from Mississippi," and he was like, "Cool." And then just walked on. <laughs> but then at one point, we're, we're me and this girl are standing at the wall, and fucking Tweety and Beck and their wives are, are just like chit chatting. I mean, five feet from us, just standing against the opposite side of the wall. I was like, I should say something to him. I should say something. To <laughs> you him. should not say something to him. And, oh, oh, you know what I was? I was like, I'm gonna ask him what his favorite Hank Williams song is. And then thankfully I did not. Thanks. Thankfully we just left. That wouldn't have been. And a I, it wasn't even her question. idea. It was my idea. I was like, you know what? It, there was some part of me that was like, if I say something to this guy, they're gonna kick me out. Of <laughs> and that part won out. Nice. That's won impressive. Out. The, the drunk self, willpower. Yeah, exactly. You're like the, the self control. Like, do like, don't do it, Josh. You know we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> there was like a drunken angel and like a. Beat it up, a devil on each, each shoulder, and then the drunken, the drunken angel won out. The angel's like, Beat it fuck up you, devil. fuck you, don't fucking talk to him. Do a not say shit. Devil. The angel, hey, Josh, the angel's it. like, 
The angel's like hanging <laughs> off my shirt. <laughs> Putting his fingers in the fucking face. The devil's just stabbing my eardrum with a fucking tri-tip. Anyway. Starting to... What the fucking... Trident? With the brisket? Trident. With the brisket? I think it was just a weird dream uh, you were having. I don't think this really happened at all. <laughs> I, think, I think it was just a weird dream. Uh, well, on that note, uh, our cover of Beck's The Golden Age... I don't 
cover you just heard was performed by Neil Marsh and Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. Please subscribe and rate on Apple or Spotify. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week is Josh's week. So, Josh, what will we be discussing? We will be discussing Fake Plastic Trees by Radiohead. Can't wait! <laughs>